Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. Welcome to Impact Church. Hey, listen, before you're seated, turn and find somebody and tell them you look so much hotter than you did last Sunday. Come on, let somebody, come on, let somebody know they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Beautiful. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to preach a sermon today that I have titled, Get Out of the Boat. Get out the boat. Get out of the boat. Get out the boat. Which one do you guys like? Get out the boat. Get out the boat. So we're going to just slang it. Get out the boat. Get out the boat. Get out the boat. But I want to talk about, there's this passage in Matthew 14. It's about Jesus walking on water. It's about Peter walking on water. And uh, I want to kind of paint the backdrop a little bit before the walking on the water part starts because it's pretty cool so John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin somebody say cousin that's his cousin and John the Baptist was murdered beheaded actually because of Jesus Christ because of his love for Jesus he was murdered beheaded so news travels to Jesus that your cousin has been beheaded and the Bible says that Jesus attempted to go off by himself and just have have a moment and as he's walking to have this time alone people start noticing him like yo there's jesus that's jesus that's jesus that's jesus hey everybody that's jesus and then all of a sudden the bible says that five thousand men plus women and children show up and instead of jesus continuing on to be by himself he decides to meet the needs of the people and he starts having church he's teaching people are getting healed gets into late evening and the disciples are like jesus everybody's hungry and jesus says well let's feed them one of his disciples is like jesus it would take a year's worth of wages to feed all these people and you guys know the story jesus takes a little bit of fish a little bit of bread and he feeds everybody and then there's even leftovers then jesus tells his disciples it's about 3 a.m And he says, you guys go ahead and leave. I will dismiss the crowds. So the disciples leave. They get on a boat. Jesus dismisses the crowds. And then he goes up and he finally has this moment, this moment of reflection, this moment of, man, I lost a family member. I lost a loved one. And this is where we get into the text that I want to read to you right now out of Matthew 14 and starting in verse 22. It says this, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. And after Jesus sent them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples, they were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. Listen, this part freaks me out a little bit because... 
Sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, sometimes God will send you right into the middle of a storm, just like he did the disciples. Sometimes God sends you into a storm because he knows that if it starts raining down on your life, you're going to run for cover. You're going to run right at Jesus Christ. And the disciples, they were in trouble. They were in a rowboat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee when a raging storm hits and Jesus sent them into this storm. Now, I know that many of you today, you feel just like this, like you are in a rowboat in the middle of a raging storm and your life is in danger. You might be even living in fear. This next verse gives us some good news. Look at it with me. It says about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. You know what I've learned is that no matter what storm you're in life, Jesus always walks into that storm with you. He always walks in to comfort you and to protect you in the middle of your storms too. And so let's keep reading. It says in Matthew 14, when the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. That would be frightening. Let's just be honest. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus was like, don't be afraid. It's me. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Jesus says, yes, come. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he started walking on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him and he said, you have so little faith. Why do you doubt me? Why do you doubt me? I want to pray before we dig into this. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for the love in this house today, Lord. We just pray that this word truly blesses us, changes us, challenges us, comforts us, God. Today, we love you. We thank you for eternal life. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for forgiveness, second chances. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. So I want to begin today's sermon with the question. And the question is this. I want you to think about this. If you could do anything, if you, what would you dare to do if you knew that you would not fail? Think about it for a minute. What would you try in life? What would you dare to do if you knew that you could not fail? See, the problem is, is that a lot of times we've got this dream. We've got this idea. We've got this vision, right? A lot of times it's even a God calling. It's something that God puts in our heart and he wants us to live out that dream. But many people, they never get out of the boat. Right. Many people, they never step out of their comfort zone. That's really what the boat is. The boat represents comfort. It represents safety. It's really a false sense of security. It represents familiarity. And that's what we do is we like to stay in the boat. Like I'm not about to get out of the boat. I'm pretty comfortable in my life right now. I feel safe. I feel secure. And many dreams, too many dreams for too many people are left in that boat. I wonder today, even in our church family, how many dreams have not come 
to fruition. How many dreams have not been realized because we refuse to take a step of faith out of the boat? Let me say this, is that life is too short to stay in the boat. Man, life is too short to stay in the comfort zone of life. And all of the miracles, in fact, any miracle that you will ever experience in your life, it will always be on the outside of the boat. Every miracle, if you want to do the impossible then you have to step into the impossible. If you want to walk in the supernatural, you got to step out of the natural. You have to get uncomfortable in your life to realize that God truly is the God of the impossible. You remember the words of Jesus himself in Matthew 19, verse 26. He says, with God, all things are possible. Let's say it together. With God, all things are possible. Let's shout it. With God, all things are possible. All things means all things. All things means that there is nothing in your life that God cannot do. There is no marriage that God cannot restore. There's no body that God cannot heal. There's no door that God cannot open. There's no mind that God cannot cover in peace and joy and comfort. God is the God of the impossible. And not only... Does God do the impossible? But the Bible says that He can do far more than anything that you and I could ever think of or imagine. Right? It's one of my life verses in Ephesians 3.20. It make a great tattoo, by the way. If you're looking for a new tat, Ephesians 3.20 is the perfect tattoo for your life. Okay? This is what it says in Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able... Through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Another translation says exceedingly more than anything we can ask or imagine. Anything we can dream up, God can do more. That's the God that we serve. And so if you have a dream today, listen, I just want to talk to the dreamers. If you're not a dreamer, you can come back next week. I just want to talk to the dreamers for a minute, because I think that the future lies within the dream. It has to be a dream. If you don't have a dream for your life, you're just kind of going through life, man, the motions of life. You have to have a dream out in front of you that keeps you motivated in your life. And so if you have a dream, I want to talk to you today about Getting out of the boat. I want to talk to you today about stepping into whatever that dream might be. And so look at number one with me in your outlines. If you have your applications, you can turn them on. But number one today, get out of the boat, is to throw away any doubts. Throw away any doubts. Okay, there was a dude in the Bible. He was known for being a doubter. His name was Thomas, not Travis. Thomas. Okay. Thomas was a disciple and he was, he's called the doubter, the doubting Thomas, doubting Tom. Jesus died, rose again. All the disciples are like, yay, Jesus rose again. And Thomas is like, nah, it didn't happen. There ain't no way I would have to see his, his hands. I would have to feel the nail holes that I saw him get crucified. There's no way. So he gets this nickname, Doubting Thomas. I mean, like to have that name. I like to be the faithful Travis. I like to be the courageous Travis, right? And so we got to get rid of all doubts. Doubts are a tool of the enemy. In fact, doubts is the enemy 
of your dreams. The devil uses doubts in your life because it works. He uses doubts because doubts are dream killers. He uses doubts because doubts paralyze us, right? It limits our potential. Doubts, they destroy our confidence. They cause us to miss out on God's best for your life, which is what I preached on last weekend, that God has a best for your life. But your dream, it lies on the other side of your doubts. Your greatest dreams lies on the other side of your greatest doubts. And so we've got to learn to cast away our doubts. Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt me? It's a good question. Why do we doubt God? Why do we doubt ourselves? We doubt all the time. And I, I want to just give you four thoughts on why we doubt A, B, C, and D. But one reason we doubt is because of A, our past failures. Right? We failed. We've blown it. Nobody's perfect. Nobody bats a thousand. There's not a perfect person in this room. There's only one person who's ever existed. His name is Jesus Christ. And that is why we need a savior. We are all failures. Okay? We need a savior. But we've all failed. We've all blown it. But what happens is our past, which was last weekend's sermon, said it was titled, Don't Go Back. Our past ends up being our present and our present is our past. We can't get past our past. Man, I blew it. So I don't have confidence to get out of the boat now because I blew it in the past. Right? My first marriage didn't work. No way I'm getting married a second time. My second marriage didn't work. No way I'm getting married a third time. Right? And so we have a past that traps us in the boat. We start to doubt and we can be controlled by our past. Listen, some of you today, you are controlled by your past. You're controlled by guilt. You're controlled by shame. You might be controlled by hurts. Someone hurt you. It could have been 30 years ago. It still hurts you. Do you guys understand how stupid that sounds? Something in the past that controls your future. It could be resentment. It could be bitterness, anger. You are controlled because you have not moved forward. Listen, Impact Church, I just want to encourage you, like I did last week, it is time to move past your past. It is time to put the past behind you and step in to the miracles of God for your life. Okay? Letter B. Another reason we doubt is because we lack confidence. Confidence is a big, big concept. I mean, I'm thinking about confidence when it comes to life, I'm thinking about some of you have poor self-esteem because of something that was said to you 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, and you still think poorly about yourself because somebody said something who had no reason or no, they, we give them no right to speak into our lives. They said something that wasn't true, and we buy the lie. And here we are, we don't feel great about ourselves, we're insecure. We have insecurities, all of us do, and a lot of times, the lack of confidence, it keeps us in the boat. I don't believe in myself, I don't like myself, I second guess myself. Okay? If we can learn to see ourselves the way God sees us, it would be absolutely life changing. Like literally, the sky would be the limit. If you could see yourself the way God sees you, not the way I see you, not the way you see you, not the way your family sees you, sometimes the worst people for your confidence 
are the people the closest to you. Sometimes the people that are, they, they make you feel this big. It's the people closest to you. We have to learn to think about ourselves the way God thinks about us. The fact is, is that God sees you as a champion in Christ Jesus. God sees you as victorious. He sees you as brand new. He sees you as righteous. He sees you as a person, a powerhouse for his kingdom. In fact, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Even through the Bible, if you read all throughout the Bible, every person that did something great for God, they had some reason they shouldn't have. They were a normal person doing abnormal things simply because they said yes to God. If God only used superstars, not much would get done in this world. God uses imperfect people. God not only uses imperfect people, God uses all kinds of people. God uses weak people. God uses people with problems. God uses people with addictions. God uses people with mixed motivations. God uses dysfunctional people. God uses weirdos. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but he don't care who he uses. He just wants somebody to say, God, will you use me? I'm in. Will you use me? I'm all yours. Put me to work. So one reason is insecurity. Another reason, letter C, is because, well, we compare ourselves to others. So honestly, comparing is one of the things that almost kept me from becoming your pastor. Comparing. Because we're human and we compare. Right? We're human and we compare. So I had some people that I respected in my life. And they're like, hey, you should become a pastor of your own church. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't. Yes, you should. No way I should. Give me one good reason why I should become a pastor of a church. Because you have all the gifts, the skills, the talents to become a pastor of your own church. I said, I am not seeing this the same way you are seeing this, my friend. I don't, listen, I have looked across the nation and I have looked at, there are so many great preachers, so many great, I could never preach like T.D. Jakes. I mean, the guy preaches the paint off the wall. He uses one word and talks for an hour. And you're like, yes, let's go. I could never preach like Rick Warren. He's highly intelligent. He sits on a stool and he teaches. I don't even understand what he says. He's so smart. I could never preach like Joel Osteen, this country bumpkin that's so kind and so nice. I'm a little mean. I got an edge on me. I say things I shouldn't say. I say things for sure that a pastor should not say. I should never be a pastor. You know what God says? That is exactly why I need a Travis Hearn to be a pastor. I don't need another Joel Osteen. I don't need another T.D. Jakes. I don't need another Rick Warren. I need a Travis Hearn. But comparing almost kept me out of God's best for my life. And God forbid if I wouldn't have become a pastor. Can you imagine what a horrible church you would be going to somewhere else? I mean, are you kidding me? Isn't Impact Church awesome? We have a great church. Our church. I 
I see some of you not clapping. That's okay. That's okay. We'll win your hearts over at some point. But what happens is we compare, and I, com- I call compare, it's a comparison there. It's like a trap, right? It's a trap. I compare myself to you, you compare yourself to me, and then we both feel insecure, right? Because you think, man, he's amazing. You compare yourself to me, you're watching me on Instagram, and you're like, man, wish I had his marriage. You don't know anything about my marriage. You just see what I, what I want you to see. That's what we do on social media. So I see you, Joe, over there, shirt off. You're all swolled up after a good workout. You don't post yourself when you just get out of bed. You got to get that pump first, man. Put that oil all over your pecs. And you're like, yep, another day, another day, another inch in my pec. We put what we want people to see. You don't know what I deal with. You don't know my weaknesses. You don't know my struggles. You don't know my insecurities. But I can promise I have weaknesses, I have struggles, and I have insecurities. But this is what we do. We compare ourselves and say, oh man, I'm not as talented as that person. I'm not as gifted as that person. I'm not as skilled. I don't have the experience. I'm not as educated. I don't have the same background. And what happens is, is it makes us doubt ourselves. And see, God doesn't want you to compare yourself to anybody else. He doesn't. You should not be comparing yourself to other people. God wants you to be you. He made you to be you. If you're not you, who's going to be you? God has made you to be you and you are unique. And we need to understand that we are exactly who God wants us to be. Okay, another reason that we doubt ourselves, welcome back. It's always good when people just come and go as they please, especially when they sit in the front row at the very middle. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I mean, you know. Anyway. If you do it again, we're going to like put on some music, some walkout music, spotlight. It's cool, man. He's like, it's my first time, but I will never come back to this. <laughs> but another reason we is, is we doubt ourselves. We focus on our fears, right? Fears, anxieties, worries, right? I mean, this is what Peter did. He's walking on water. That would be cool. He is walking on water. More importantly than walking The miracle isn't walking on water. The miracle is walking on the word of God. The word of God said, Peter, come on out. The word of God said to do it. So I'm going to do the miracle could have been anything. It could have been, hey, I want to walk on air. Come start walking. Hey, I want to jump up and down like a bunny rabbit. Start jumping. The miracle is that God said it and I'm going to do it. And when God says it and you do it, that's where the impossible starts to happen. See, look, some of you want the impossible to happen, but you're just sticking, you're just staying in the boat. God do the impossible. He's like, get out. God do the impossible. Get out. God do the impossible. I ain't getting out. I'm not doing the impossible. See, impossible is impossible. It doesn't make sense. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith is not logical. Faith is, I don't have it all figured out. Faith means, I don't have anything figured out. Faith is, I am trusting the word of God. God told me to do it, so I am going to do it and let him show me the rest as I take this first step of faith. But what happens is, just like Peter, you start focusing on the wind and the waves. 
right? The, the, the wind and the waves, they represent the fears in life. They represent like the anxieties. I took my eyes off Jesus Christ. I put them on my fears and I started to sink. Let me tell you this. Fear will sink your life every single time. Taking your eyes off Jesus Christ Your life will sink. If your marriage is not built on Christ, your marriage will sink. If your mind is not built on Jesus Christ, your mind will sink into depression. So we focus on our fears and it causes doubt. Focus on faith. Listen, focus on God's word, not the wind and the waves in your life. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs is chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. I want us to read this out loud together, these two verses. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, so I love this verse because this is like real talk, man. It's like trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding, it deceives you, right? It takes you down ways you think like it, it seemed like a good idea at the beginning. In fact, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful. It's full of deceit, right? I mean, it, it is wickedly evil. Our heart tells us, yes, yes, that's the answer. That's what I need in my life. And then you go chase it and you get in the middle of it and you go, no, no, no. What was I thinking. Have you ever had one of those moments? You were all in and then you get, it's like, what was I thinking? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you married the person you're sitting right next to and you were like, I thought they were a great idea at one point in my life. What was I thinking? Right? The heart is deceitful. So he says, trust in the Lord, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in God in all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. Okay, let's look at number two. Number two, if I'm going to get out the boat, I need to ask God for courage. God, give me courage. God, build my faith. You know how to build your faith? You know, the Bible gives us the answer. How do you grow your faith? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's what it says in Rome. Faith comes by hearing The word of God. What is the word of God? God's voice. The more I hear it, the more faith I have. The more I hear the voice of God, the more confidence, the more courage I have in myself. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking on water. It's me. Come on out, Peter. Come on out. Hearing that voice one more time. Hearing that voice, it built up his faith. It built up his courage. Now, the Bible says that you don't have because you don't ask of God. That's a general concept of prayer in life. Man, I really want this. Well, you don't have that because you don't ask for that, right? You don't have, you never ask God for that. Sometimes you you just have to ask somebody for that, right? You got to just get out of your boat and your comfort zone and say, Hey, can I have a job? Hey, can I, what would you think if, if I could do this or if I could do that, man, can you help me? Sometimes you just have to ask. So we ask God for faith. We ask God for courage. Okay. 
God, grow my faith. I want to get out of this boat, but I kind of don't. I kind of do, but I kind of don't. And the kind of don't is outweighing the kind of do right now. Lord, build my faith. This is what this guy did one day. He comes up to Jesus and his son was demon possessed, right? Demon possessed son. This daddy walks up to Jesus. He's like, Jesus, will you, will you deliver my son? And Jesus is like, yeah. Hey, do you believe? Yes, Lord, I believe. But he says this, but will you help me with my unbelief? I believe, but will you help me with my unbelief? What does that mean? That means I'm human. I believe, but I also don't believe. I believe that you can do it. I don't know if I believe that you will do it. God help me with my unbelief. Look, look at it right here. Mark 9, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. We need to pray the same thing. God, help me with my unbelief. God, build my faith. God, build my courage. I want to get out of this boat, but I need my faith built. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Joshua. Somebody say Joshua. Joshua took over for Moses. How many like that job? I'd rather take over for a failure and a loser than a beast mode champion for Christ. Like, rather take over. For, I'd rather if there was an NBA team that was, you know, they won 10 championships. And then there was an NBA team that finished last for 10 straight years. I want to take over the team that finished last. Because now, if I finish second to last... I'm the man, but I don't want to take over somebody that won 10 titles. And then if I come in second in the NBA finals, I'm going to lose my job. So you got Joshua taking over perhaps the greatest man of God who has ever existed. Moses dies. They're at the brink of the promised land. They did not make it to the promised land. And God says, Joshua, you're going to take over for Moses. Joshua had some fears. Joshua had some doubts. In fact, chapter one of Joshua is all about God addressing those fears and those doubts. I want to read to you Joshua chapter one, quite a few verses here and what it says. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses that he gave you. Don't turn from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God 
will be with you wherever you go. So this is a great passage because this is what's happening. Joshua's freaking out. I'm taking over the role of Moses. I got to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Moses didn't even get into the promised land. As great as he was, he died just short of the promised land. I've got some fears here, Lord. I've got some doubts because number one, if we're going to get into the promised land, we got to cross the the, the Jordan River. That's no easy task. That's going to take a miracle. And then once we cross the Jordan River, we got to conquer Jericho. It is an army that's bigger than us. It's better than us. Jericho is surrounded by walls. We don't even know what's on the other side of those walls. God, I've got some fears. So what does God do? He gives him a pep talk. And three times in one chapter, he says what? Be strong and courageous. Say it with me. Be strong and courageous. Said it three times. Say it again. Be strong and courageous. And one more. Be strong and courageous. He's trying to tell him, yo, you got this. I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that's going with you. So be strong and be courageous. Now, listen, I don't make you repeat things because I like to hear your voices. Just want you to know that. You know, because I know some of you, you're too arrogant and you're like, I ain't saying nothing. Okay, it's fine, whatever. You do you. But my thing is, there is a statistic that says that the average person forgets 95% of what they hear within 72 hours. That is depressing for any preacher on the planet, right? As I just spent all these hours working on this sermon, they're going to forget 95% of it by Wednesday. So how do we make sure that they memorize or remember at least 6%, 7%. That's why we do outlines. That's why we put it on the slides. If you read it, if you write it, if you recite it, you're going to be more likely to remember it. So we read it, we write it, we recite it, and hopefully we'll remember it. So when I say, hey, say this thing or say that thing, it's not because I'm like, well, that was cool, man. If you guys, I'm trying to drive home a point God wants us to be strong and courageous. God wants us to walk by faith and not by fear. He wants us to walk in courage. In fact, there's a great verse by the Apostle Paul. It's short and it's sweet. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he said, For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's how you get out of the boat. You don't, you don't step out of the boat by living life through your mind's eyes. You can't do it because your eyes will talk you out of it. Have you ever, anybody in here ever went cliff jumping? Let me rephrase that. Any white people ever went cliff jumping? Cause I know you're the only idiots that will probably do that, you know? And so you get up to the edge of the cliff. Right. I've been cliff jumping when I was a kid in basketball. My coach used to take us to these cliffs in the summer and they had like these, 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 you know, one would be like 10 feet. You climb a little higher, be like 20 feet, climb a little far, 30 feet. You get to 30 feet. That's pretty freaky. If you go to Switzerland and you go out to the lake, they actually have diving uh, uh, boards. They have a 10 footer, 20 footer, 30 footer. You get up to 30 feet, that, it doesn't look like it's that far from the ground. But once you get up there, it's easy to walk back down, right? You're up there and you're like, that's a long way. That I'm not doing it. And what happens is you can talk yourself out of it a lot easier than you can talk yourself into it. 
And so you have to learn to live your life by faith. I'm walking by faith. I'm not walking by sight. Fear says, stay in the boat. Faith says, get out of the boat. The fact is, everybody in here is in a boat of some sort today. What boat are you in? What boat do you need to step out of today? You might be in a boat of resentment, right? You've been hurt. You've been hurt. And you just, you just in this boat for years of resent and bitterness. God wants you to step out of that boat and forgive and be free. I'm in a boat of anger. God wants you to give it to him and let him deal with it. You go live your life in joy and peace. You might be in a boat of guilt or shame. God wants you to step out and walk in freedom and forgiveness. You might be in a boat of brokenness. Somebody hurt you. God wants you to step out in faith and try again. You might be in a boat of fear or worry. God wants you to step out and walk in faith and courage. You might be in a boat of opportunity. There's an opportunity for you, but you have to step out of the boat. There's a dream. There's a business. There's a ministry. There is an idea that you could live out and you could walk out, but you're going to have to step out of the boat. Listen, the faith walk goes completely against human logic. Okay, your step of faith, it is going to seem crazy, feel crazy, look crazy. There is nothing about faith that looks normal or logical. Nothing. So here's the problem that we have with the step of faith. As humans, this is what we do. You say, I'm in the boat. God says, step out. And you go, okay, I will step out in faith. But let me first figure out the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh step. And guess what? That is not faith. Faith is, I take the first step, and then I watch God provide the second step. And then I watch him provide the third step. And then I watch him provide the fourth step. And then the fifth step. And all of a sudden, you start going, wow, look at the miracles I am walking in. All because I just took one step. Jesus said you don't have to have a lot of faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed. As a mustard seed. Y'all know how big a mustard seed? It's little. I can tell this service has no idea. You know what a marijuana seed looks like? It's about the same size. Yeah, I know you guys got all excited about that. Little man, little. But out of that seed you plant it in the ground, it grows some really cool big things. One step. One step. It's your choice. You can stay in the boat of comfort, or you can step out of the boat and start living in the supernatural. You don't think people thought Noah was crazy building a boat the size of a football field and a half? No, what are you doing? Lord told me he's going to kill y'all. So he told me to build a boat. That's a big boat, Noah. Yep. What's you going to do with it? Well, I'm take two of all the animals and my family and we're going to survive. But there's a flood. You're going to die. He built that boat for over a hundred years. Can you imagine? 
Like, picture your neighborhood right now. You're on the side of your house building a boat. Yo, that thing is massive. Yeah, I got to fit the giraffes and the elephants. And like, what are you talking about? This is going to be a flood. What do you mean there's going to be a God's going to flood the earth. He's going to send rain from the sky. What is rain? It had never rained at this point in history. What is rain? Rain, water's going to fall from the sky. And then it's going to flood and you're going to drown and I'm going to be safe. <sighs> right? I mean, does that make any sense at all? Like at all. That makes no sense. That's what faith is. This is definitely the checkered past service. This is definitely the former weed or maybe the current weed smoking service. Because every time I make even a little joke, you guys just go crazy about it. Faith doesn't make sense. Okay. Faith is not logical. I'm sure the disciples were tripping when Jesus said, I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to come back to life. That makes no sense. There's no way that's happening. Faith looks crazy on the outside. It feels crazy on the inside. But it's actually the most rational, reasonable, sensible, and spiritual thing that you can do is to walk by faith and not by sight. Walking by faith, it means stepping into the unknown. It means leaving behind my security, leaving behind the familiar. Peter is risking his life. Like, man, if I remember there's a storm, it's not like this glass, like it would matter, right? Water's water. Have you ever tried to walk? Who's honestly you've tried? Just be honest. You're the fun people of the church. So yeah, I've tried my backyard. I'm like, okay, watch guys. You just, it doesn't work, right? So it's like he is risking his life. I want videos. Send me videos. I want to see you trying to walk on water. And he's risking his life. He could die. He could sink. He could drown. But guess what else? He could maybe walk on water and the story will make it into the Bible. And 2,000 years from now, people on Scottsdale Road are going to be reading about this story. And it's going to be encouraging them in their own faith walk. Because faith is always a seed that births a tree, that births more seeds. That births a tree, that births more seeds. And so what boat does God want you to step out of Today, faith doesn't make sense. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Okay, This is the story of my wife and I, Natalie and I. This is our, this point three is our story. Okay, We're at the same church for 13 years before this one. And I was an assistant pastor and had a lot of responsibilities. And God spoke to us that it was time to resign and move on. And you know what I said? I will definitely resign and move on once I figure out what you want me to do, Lord. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What is the call on my life for next year? Five years from now? Ten years from now? So God, you tell me, I'll go resign. God told me, that's not faith. Okay, I have a two-week-old at the time. When you have a two-week-old, okay, I got 
three kids at the time. One is two weeks old. Well, I have a job. It gives me a salary. It pays my insurance. You kind of need all that. So my wife and I said, okay, wasn't easy, but we finally came around to the fact that we just got to step out of the boat. That's scary. I'm going to tell you right now, when you step out of the boat, it's going to terrify you. I wish I could tell you that the first step and you're going to be like, oh, that was easy. Nope. You're going to still be terrified on the second step and the third step and the fourth step. But you know what you will see eventually? You will see the pattern of God that he always provides the next step, that he always provides the next move for your life. That's what the faith walk is all about. I walk by faith and not by sight. Let's look at number four. Man, it's 1208. I feel like I'm just getting started, you guys. I. How many would stay, seriously, if I preach to like two? Wait, I'm, wait, 2 p.m. How many would stay? 2 p.m.? I appreciate half of you being honest. You're like, <laughs> I ain't raising my hand. I am hungry. The sun's game's about to come on. Did you just boo my sons? Ushers, can you remove this gentleman from the building? That's terrible, man. Here I've been for you all these years, man. I've been there for you. Let's look at number four. Number four is to keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Sons are going to win it all this year. I feel it in my spirit. I've been the team chaplain for almost 20 years. And we have not won a championship. Selfishly, I just want my own ring. I want my own ring. I want to be able to preach with the Phoenix Suns championship ring. That's it. It's nothing really spiritual. It's just selfish. Completely selfish. I'm tired of sucking. Is that? I'm tired of sucking. Finally, we're good. You know, finally. So keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my focus on the sermon. There's this verse that... It really interests me and intrigues me in Proverbs 4.25. It's a message translation. And it says this. It says, keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. So the word that really stands out to me here is distractions. Distractions. If the devil can just distract you enough you will never walk into the fullness of God for your life. If he can just distract you enough, just enough. He doesn't have to make your life a living. He just needs to distract you from becoming everything that God wants for you to become. So I notice this word distraction because distraction, I always say, distraction causes disaction. Right? Distraction makes me paralyzed, distraction, it limits my life. I understand distractions in my own life. And sometimes the distraction is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not an evil or a wicked thing. It's just a distraction that takes my attention off what God wants it to be on. And now the devil's got me 
right where he wants me. Distraction. So he says, ignore all the sideshow distractions. Listen, anytime God gives you a dream, the devil is going to try to give you distractions. He says, ignore them. Don't pay the uh, attention to them. Peter, he's walking on water and he sees the strong wind and the waves. Distractions. And then he's terrified and he begins to sink. In the Old Testament, there was a guy named Nehemiah that dealt with some distractions. Nehemiah had this dream to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem that had laid in ruins for decades because of the wicked Babylonian empire went and destroyed Jerusalem and its walls. Nehemiah said, I want to rebuild the walls. I got a dream to rebuild the walls. He never built anything in his life. So he sets out to build the walls and here come the distractions. People criticize him. Yo, what are you doing, man? (laughs) You never built anything in your life. That is not going to work. Nehemiah, what are you doing? They belittled him. Even if a fox jumps on that wall, that wall's coming down. They threatened his life when nothing else worked. We're going to kill you. You need to stop this work. But I love Nehemiah because the Bible says that he stayed focused. He never came down off the wall. He said, why should I come down off this wall and stop building? Why should I come down and be distracted and not finish what God wants me to finish? Anytime you step into your dream, the devil is going to try to distract you. In Hebrews 12, 2, the Bible says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. So there's a lot to this. The focus. The focus on faith when I'm distracted by fear. In Luke 9, Jesus said these words. He said, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Think about that. Plowing. I've got this ox in front of me, maybe oxen. I've got them yoked together. I'm plowing the fields. He says, anyone who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. It's an interesting concept because it's almost like driving, right? You're driving down the road. Distractions will, they'll take your life. Distractions will take somebody else's life. Distractions, I'm going straight down the road. Distraction with my cell phone. Distraction with the radio. Distraction with how somebody else is driving. Distraction with my kids in the backseat. Distractions can ruin, completely ruin your life and somebody else's life. So I love this verse. He who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Maybe you remember the story in the Old Testament of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis. There's these angels that came and it, the Bible says all these dudes, men, young and old, they were trying to come sleep with these men, these angels. Right? There was so much wickedness in the earth that God said, I'm going to destroy the earth. So he tells Lot and his family, he says, get out, run, don't look back. What do they do? They get out, they run, and Lot's wife looks back. The Bible says she turns into a pillar of salt. Pfft. 
I'd love to have seen that. That would be pretty dope. Pillar of salt. Right? What, what was she looking back for? Why? I don't know. Man, looking back at my own life, looking back at what's happening to where I used to live, looking back to what I used to have, looking back to what we used to be, looking back to where we came from. God's saying, look, don't look back. Leave it behind and move forward. Don't get distracted. Ignore the distractions in your life. Walk by faith and not by sight. And so I want to just have you close your eyes for a minute. And I want to ask you the same question I asked you at the beginning. And the question is this is, what would you dare to do if you knew you wouldn't fail? See, I think there's a lot of unrealized dreams sitting in here today. I think there's a lot of God-given, God-sized dreams that are in here today that have been stuck in the boat. You want the impossible. You want to experience the supernatural. But you've been staying in the natural. God would tell you today. If you want to see. What I'm capable of doing in your life. If you want to experience all the miracles that I have for your life. You're going to have to step out of the boat. You're going to have to take a step of faith. Faith doesn't make sense. You could try to figure it all out in advance. You could try to figure out every move in advance. And all you're doing is fighting against faith. Faith is not logical. It's supernatural. Some of you today, you're here and you've, you've not become a Christian yet because you're like, man, I'm trying to make it make sense in my head. I'm going to just tell you right now, it will never make sense in your head. He's God. We're human. He's infinite. We're finite. We cannot possibly comprehend an almighty God. We cannot possibly comprehend the creator of the universe death on a cross that's why it's called faith because I take a step of faith even when it doesn't all totally make sense in my life even when I can't totally figure it out in my head I know that faith is pulling me in and I want to walk my life in faith in belief in hope in courage trusting in the Lord with all my heart today if you're here and you've never taken a step of faith to acknowledge Jesus as your savior well then I think this is the perfect opportunity to do that right here right now give your life to Christ Take a step of faith and surrender your life to him. Pray right now. Pray, Jesus, I give you my life today. I surrender my life to you.
Thank you for dying for me. Help me to walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I pray for everybody here today that has a dream in their heart. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take that that step. God, build our faith. God, give us courage. Give us a pep talk, Lord, that we're strong and courageous. God, that we can step out of the boat. The boat, the step, it's not just about you. When you step in faith out of that boat, it's going to change people's lives forever and ever. Maybe today you're hurting. Your heart's been broken. Listen, don't let it become bitter. Don't let it paralyze you. Take a step of faith again. Put your trust in God and lean not on your own understanding. But take another step of faith again. Father, I pray that as we leave this place today, God, that your spirit goes with us. God, that we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That we can truly walk by faith and not by sight. Taking one step at a time. Father, I pray for marriages today and healing. The marriages, they'll try again. Listen to somebody in here and you're about to give it up. You say, man, I'm done. I want you to know that God's telling you to try it again. Build your foundation on Jesus Christ. Sink your roots into the word of God and build your relationship on Christ Jesus. The Bible says God is love and the Bible says that love never fails. If you build your life on Christ, if you build your relationship on Christ, if you build your business on Christ, it's not going to fail because love does not fail. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit www.impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.